Uh, this evening we're in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs and the chapter 12, verse 25. Now we talk about Proverbs, uh, that book being that which teaches you how to live life skillfully in accordance, skillfully that is in accordance with the wisdom of God, how to live a life that will skillfully and wonderfully please God above all and make your life, your stay here on earth, that much more pleasant in the sight of God. Uh, this morning as we talked about uh, the do's and don'ts of dealing with grief, oftentimes what comes hand in hand with grief is uh, depression. And to talk about grief without talking about depression would be, uh, uh, I would be remiss. So this evening we're going to focus on uh, uh, the Christian and depression, the Christian and depression. In Proverbs verse, uh, uh, Proverbs verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 25, could you read it for me, Nico? Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Read it again. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Underline that in your Bible. You want to know the cause of depression. It is anxiety. And at the core of anxiety is sin. Because the Bible tells us plainly in Philippians chapter 4 to be anxious for nothing. But in all things, in supplications and prayer, make these things known unto God. Matthew chapter 6 tells us to be not to be anxious for uh, tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Uh, so when we talk about what causes depression, it is anxiety that causes depression. And we know that there's good anxiety and there's bad anxiety. The bad anxiety is that anxiety that causes you to worry, to worry, and worry some more. To worry to the point is it, uh, to worry as if you had control over the situations and the power to change them. Uh, we are to worry for nothing. The good anxiety is that which causes us to do things like pay attention, to be sober, to be aware, as the Bible tells us in Peter, to be sober uh, for, the, for, the, for, the, uh, for Satan, the lion, seeks about roaring, looking for those he may devour. So there's that anxiety that kept us, helps us to be alert, but then there's that bad, bad anxiety that causes us to take too much upon ourselves as if we can control situations. It is that bad anxiety that causes us to see, uh, to not see situations as clearly as we should, and we see them through a film, a dark film, if you will, and keeps us from uh, seeing God in every situation that happens in our lives. If you'll indulge me for a moment, you can't see this, but I'm going to uh, read it for you. Uh, I'm going to read it for you, and this is called the paradox, the paradox of uh, the paradox of anxiety. It's uh, two pages I'm going to read to you. I want you to listen closely as we uh, go into our lesson. It says, they say that into every life some rain must fall. What they say is true, but it is never mentioned that rain can be seen as either a blessing or a curse. And it is up to me to determine which way I will proceed. Rain is invigorating, soothing, energizing, and it sets the cycle of growth in motion. Nothing good can happen without rain. So even though uh, rain may be unpleasant for a time, it is never my enemy. I am my own worst enemy if I view the rain as being a curse. In reality, the rain is not a curse, it's a blessing. It is a precursor to my growth, a healthy, invigorating, motivating growth. The paradox of the rain is that in order for it to be a blessing, I must recognize and accept it as a blessing. It may be uncomfortable, but it is also preparing me for the good to come. It may be unpleasant, but eventually its drops will sink down into the earth and produce a beautiful crop. It all depends on the way I choose to see it. When rain falls, rain falls into every life, the question is, how do I view the rain? How do I view it? And then it says, the way I choose to see it affects your whole attitude and your mood. Accepting the rain for the blessing, it will become, allows my progress to proceed. 
Rain always brings growth. It always brings healing. I am guaranteed of that. The paradox is that for the rain to bring growth and healing, I must accept it. As I accept it, my attitude and perspective begin to change. Rain brings wonderful changes if it is allowed to accomplish its purpose. So many people curse the rain and grow bitter against it. These are the people who never overcome their problems and never grow in their lives. The flower accepts the storm because it knows it will be watered. If the flower is watered, it will grow and blossom into something beautiful. Growth and blossoming is at hand. I accept it and gladly choose to move forward. What does that mean? The rain that falls into every life, that means there are some challenges that will fall into every life. There are some difficulties that will fall into every life. Those challenges and those difficulties are not there. Uh, depending on how you perceive it, they could be there to cause you to be more determined. Or, based on how you perceive it, it could cause you to be discouraged. It's all up to how you choose to perceive it. I need you to understand that because I have too many people walking around acting as if they are helpless as to what happens in their lives. Don't you know that if it was not for the rain that God has sent, we would not know how to appreciate the beautiful sunshine. If every day was sun, we would like anything else, simply take it for granted. And then I want you to understand it's because of some things that we already have that we take for granted that we find ourselves depressed the way we are. See, because when we look at uh, the Christian and, 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 and depression, the, the scripture says a person's anxiety will weigh him down, but encouraging words make him joyful. Huh? The anxiety is what gives you, is what causes you to be depressed. This is why I often explain to you that venting is not a good thing. Because if you're already feeling negative, it doesn't do any better to call somebody and add negative, to compound negative. It doesn't do any better to call somebody and vent all the negativity. They vent their negativity, then you got a phone full of negativity. And if you got a phone full of negativity, you got an ear full of negativity. If you got an ear full of negativity, you got a mind full of negativity. And if you got a mind full of negativity, you got a heart full of negativity. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. When in reality, we ought to be uprooting the negativity and planting positive produce in our lives, letting the Holy Spirit do its work. Stop holding on to the weeds that wear us out. Does that make sense to anybody? Does anybody know anything about the weeds that are in your life that you keep holding on to? God is trying to weed them out, but you keep holding on to the weeds. And as long as you hold on to the weeds, it'll strangle the positive produce in your life. Notice what the scripture says. So then we go on. Proverbs 12, 25. The Bible says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. I keep saying that because I need you to get it squarely in your mind. It is your anxiety that causes your depression. God wants to remove that anxiety because God has the answer to all of your anxieties. Does that make sense, church? Does that make sense to anybody? So, so then we see here, can a Christian become depressed? Now, many people say, well, yes, because, you know, everybody has up days and everybody has down days. And yes, a Christian can come to, listen, a Christian can be sad sometimes. A Christian can be angry sometimes. He can also be happy sometimes. But when he becomes sad more times than any other time, that's when he's moving in a place of depression. When he lets the seeds of sadness set too long and start to, to, to take root in his heart and his soul, 
That's when he's on the road to depression. Right? Now, in order for a Christian to be depressed, here's some things that he has to overlook. Here's some <coughs> things that he has to take for granted. Number one, Acts uh, 22, verse 16. When the Bible says, let's go over to Acts 22, verse 16. Nico, if you'll turn over there uh, with me, please. Uh, we're talking about can a Christian become depressed, and the world will tell you, yes, because everybody becomes depressed. It's only human to be depressed. But again, I say, did you become a Christian to become more human? Because guess what, y'all? We were all born fully human. <coughs> but we were not born spiritual. We didn't become Christians to become more human. What does Acts 22 verse 16 say? And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. No matter what's going on on any given day in your life, the fact of the matter is that you are a sinner saved by grace. The sins that would keep you strapped to this earth have been washed away. The chains of sin have been broken. You're no longer a slave of sin. By, that, by itself is enough to shout right where you are, hallelujah on any day. Huh? Something else you have to look over and take for granted is that you are a child of God. In 1 John 3, verse 1, remember, on any day, no matter how dark the day, no matter how many things are not going your quote-unquote way, you are free from sin, saved from sin, and you are a child of God. In 1 John 3, verse 1, what's the Bible say? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. You see that? What manner of all, of all, he has chosen to call me his child. Now, if you don't understand what that means, you need to stay, spend some time studying exactly what that means. He calls me his child. There's no greater uh, uh, appointment. There's no greater title. There's no greater distinction anyone can have other than being called a child of God. Then, something else. There's, we have every spiritual blessing. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, when you read uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, and I remember when I gave an assignment one time. Uh, when you read Ephesians chapter 1 and to read how many things, it, how many times it says uh, in him, in him, in him, in him. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, what's it say? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, right? Notice what your scripture says, and I need you to underline the part that says, Every spiritual blessing, no matter what is going on in that day, in Christ, he has, God has made you entitled to every spiritual blessing, a spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Is that, so what that means, no matter, no matter what you think, because some of us will sit and listen to Satan, and we'll get around counting all the things that we think we lack. Well, here's the thing. Listen, refocus your mind. No matter what I think I lack and don't have, what I do have is every spiritual blessing is for me. Right? And then always to be rejoicing. <laughs> In Philippians 4, 4, I gotta, you got to ask yourself, what does that mean when it says to always be rejoicing? In Philippians 4, 4, what's it say there? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. What's that mean to you, Nico? Always find joy in what God On a bad day? On a bad day? When, 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 when the furniture, I mean, when the traffic, when the traffic is not, uh, when the traffic is backed up, huh? And I left. I left my usual uh, 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 10 minutes late 
to get there. Uh, I, I'm left 10 minutes because I got eight minutes to get there. And then I run into the traffic. And then I get angry and want to go road rage. And I say, everybody on the road, none of them, they should all turn their license in because none of them can drive. None of them had anything to do with you leaving the house late. None of them had anything to do with you lollygagging before you left out the house. None of them had to do with y'all fussing and fighting before you got ready to leave the house. Huh? I'm just asking. Nico, what does that mean? Rejoice always and again. When I think that I'm just a straight A student and I should never ever get anything less than an A and I happen to get a B, what does the Bible say? Rejoice always. Somebody says, well, what you Rejoice on that. That seems like you, you're being lazy. No, it's saying rejoice because somewhere in there you could have gotten much less than a B. Huh? But God somehow worked it out to where you could get that B instead of that D. Somewhere in there you had, somewhere in there you had some, you slacked off, you had some bad you had a bad attitude. Because guess what? Grades aren't always. Just the, your, your test scores. You know your attitude factors into your grades. And you know what? I'm not even talking to the children. I'm talking to the adults. You know when you get those work reviews? <laughs> and you come in and you just, look, I work harder than anybody in this whole department. Don't nobody work harder than me. <laughs> Therefore, I should get a higher pay grade and a, and a higher raise and a greater than anybody in here because I work harder than everybody. <laughs> but how come you don't count the time you spent sleeping <laughs> at your desk? Bobblehead. Huh? Those times you got real close to the keyboard and caught yourself just in time. Huh? You don't count all that. That wasn't productive time. Huh? Ask my mom, ask my uncle about how when they used to clean hospitals all the time. And they go in and bust with the with, with the with the supervisor. Do you know how many floors I done clean? How many, how many operating rooms I done swept? You know? And then they do it's like, Mom, 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 but if you sure they didn't see you sleeping in the janitor's closet? <laughs> <laughs> huh? They let them tell you how sometimes around about, about 3, about 3.33 in the morning, mm -hmm. you find a nice little quiet place somewhere in the hospital and catch a picture. That's gonna come off. <laughs> Huh? Or all of those big, or all that time you were just passionately made to work. You know, when they messed up and said, you know, man, you don't matter to us when you get here as long as you get the work done. So you supposed to start at 8, but you're always 8.15, 8.12, 8.30. And want to get out at 4 and 3.35, 3.45. Come late, be early, crazy. That, that's all part, you know that's going to be all part of your review, right? Those things have a way of coming back to bite you. So when it comes up, guess what you ought to do? Rejoice. <laughs> Rejoice. See, this stuff is not going to cut deeper into you than it ought to. Huh? Most of the girls, just tired. You know, when you gave them dirty looks to some of the people at that window sometimes? Your looks could kill. But when you walk away, or when you turn to walk away from that window, like, I don't know where these people come from, and I wish they'd go home. <laughs> See, you got to understand that, right? And children, you need to understand that part of your grade, children, when you're running your mouth and the teacher said, be quiet, that's going to come off your grade. When you're supposed to be in your seat by the bell, that's going to come off your grade. Children, 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 children. You know you're going to lose time. You, you know what? You know, sometime around you're going to have to go to bed earlier than you than you were supposed to because you just run your mouth too much. <laughs> sometime around you, you got to remember that when the grandparent, when somebody talking, it's time to close your mouth. Amen. Because if you keep talking, it means you're going to bed early and you don't have a leg to stand on. Because you talk too much.
be glad that you're not growing up at a time when they used to see children ought to be seen and not heard. Honey, it used to be a time that if a child opened his mouth at the wrong time, it wasn't no hush, it wasn't no be quiet, it was a swift smack of the mouth. And it did not matter what agency they were going to call. <laughs> the only thing about my mom around Market Avenue, call who? She was just, I'll, I'll die the first phone numbers, fuck it. Huh? I'll come get you. And when you get down there, compare down there to what you got here. That's right. right. I'm trying to explain something to you. Huh? Huh? So, so, so understand that, y'all. Understand that. That, 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 that. that you need rejoice all the time. So, so when it's time for you to go to bed, go to bed, and you don't want to go to bed, rejoice about going to bed. Rejoice about the fact that you have a bed. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a bed. Or a roof. Or a blanket. You don't have to have any of I'm talking to all my children who are buried in all these extra toys and extra games that you really don't even, you shouldn't even have because your attitude is so bad. Smart mouth is sarcastic and running things like you, you earn things and you earn nothing. Rejoice always. Learn how to rejoice. Learn how to rejoice. Because, because that's what that means is when you have it, what you call a bad day and stuff not going the way you think it ought to go, because you simply can see that. The reason why I say it to my children, because children, I don't want you to grow up to be adults who act the same way. Right. I got adults who do the same thing, children. I got adults who will say, well, if the day go on my way, then I just quit. I'm not leaving the house. And if I'm not going to leave the house, nobody else is going to leave the house. Or nobody, if I'm feeling sad or mad, everybody else leaving the house sad and mad because it's not my way today. You better learn how to rejoice. I'm going to tell you, the other side of the earth is much worse. Huh? Learn how to rejoice. Y'all know, you know, like we was talking, like when we all had to have a conversation with Sister Stacy today about going to Hawaii and she want to complain about the sand. She want to complain about going somewhere where they have three different shades of sand. Brown sand, black sand. You know what I mean? I'll be rejoicing. Talk about, oh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. You better be glad you can see a plane, see a ticket, and see Hawaii. <laughs> but you can see the vacation time and see the occasion while you're going. You better get on that plane and be quiet. And go on over there to Maui. Maui Church of Christ and say, we bring greetings from the Watkins Road Church of Christ Amen. in Columbus, Ohio. Amen. And I ain't got no complaints because if I do, Brother Johnson's arm will reach from there to here and choke me where I stand. <laughs> Get a better attitude. I don't like this sand in the Watt. Some of us can't even afford to cross the street. <laughs> you got the audacity to mitigate it all to have a complaint. You must be crazy. You better rejoice always and again. I said, rejoice. See, and if she come call you trying to complain, hang up on her. If you get a text from her, don't return it. She takes you, so you better hurry and get on the plane. I said, and I mean, he's so hard on her, whatever. You know why I am? Because the scripture says this. Be content in all circumstances. That's right. Learn to be content. And content is not the same thing as being complacent. Complacent is I'm right here and I'm not trying to go no further. That's being lackluster, not trying to go. Content is, you know what, I'm all right where, where God has placed me and wherever God and wherever else God wants me, I'm fine with that too. Because he's never put me someplace that did not work for my benefit. Where he leads me, I'll follow. Where he plants me, I'll grow. I'm just glad that he's using me. You ought to be able to rejoice through that, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And then, guess what? We also have eternal reward. We have an eternal reward in heaven in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. Let's go over there and read uh, that. Nico, uh, 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 let's read that. So I need to be, because Paul said in Philippians 4 that no matter, no matter, matter of fact, uh, Brother Broome, could you give Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 for me, please? Um, and then we're going to come back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, because we always want to remember, uh, make sure that it's not a whole bunch of lip and not enough script. So then in Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 12, what's the Bible say, Brother Broome? Thank you, Brother Broome, talking about you, Okay, I got you. 4, 11? Yes, sir. Okay, it says, um, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned to whatsoever state that I am, therewith to be content. You see what he said there? I want you to underline the part where he says, I have learned. You know what that means? See, that means Paul had to be put in a couple situations in order to learn. He had to be put in a couple of less than savory situations to learn. He says, I have learned. See, Satan knows that as long as you're walking around and, you, and, you, and you're prissy, like, like the princess and the pea. Anybody ever read that story before? The princess and the pea. You know, like, no matter how many, no matter how many mattresses, they stack the mattresses all the way to the ceiling. When she lay on them, she can still feel that pea. A little pea. She said, it's still uncomfortable. I'm just so uncomfortable. Huh? But see, Paul learned. How not to be bothered with a pea after he had slept on a pile of rocks. One day he had to make, uh, uh, you got, you got, you got, he had to learn how to make a stone his pillow. And see, when you make a stone your pillow after a while, a pea don't make a difference in the world. As long as I got a mattress to lay on, somewhere to lay my head. That's what matters. Because you ever dealt with somebody? Somewhere the hardest people in the world. No matter what you do, it's always something. Oh, that's the wrong way. It's the wrong side. It's the wrong color. It's the wrong place. Wrong house. Wrong this. Wrong that. Wrong this. Wrong. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong person. And maybe you got the wrong attitude. You see that? Learn. Learn. See, God lets difficult situations come into your life in James chapter 1 because those difficult situations, you know what they do? They produce perseverance, patience. You learn that way. You learn to be content. That's how you learn. We sing this song. How do you learn to lean on Jesus? How do you learn to lean on Jesus? By going through difficult situations. That's when you learn. That's when you learn to lean on Jesus. See, because you tried to lean on people, and contrary winds blew the people away. You tried to lean on material things, contrary winds blew the things away. You tried to lean on money, contrary winds blew the money away. So then that's when you've got to learn to lean on that, 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 that solid rock foundation, that pillar that never moves. Learn to lean right. on Jesus. That's why we should rejoice when we go through difficult situations because it's in those times that I'm learning to lean. And learning how to be content. You know why? Because no matter what they take, I still have an eternal reward, right? In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8, what's the Bible say? Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who has loved his people. Don't you want to be able to say that finally? Don't you want to be able to say that? Finally. Finally. Finally, it's happened to me. Right? You want to be able to say that? Because you're looking forward to that. Right? So can a Christian, this is, look at all the stuff that a Christian has to overlook and take for granted in order to be depressed. What I'm showing this is, that means you have to work to be depressed. It's, it takes hard work to be depressed, y'all. Huh? Think about it. You gotta take some stuff for granted. So then, so then, uh, the Christian and depression, what you see here is, is, here's some examples. You got Job, he was depressed, right? You got David, and you got Elijah. 
All of them dealt with depression. But what you find is, when you look at these guys, and as they were going through it, see, what happened was their perspective was off. You know that? Sometimes when we go through stuff, we're so flooded with why me, why me, why me, why me. And we don't look at how I, how I, how I, how I put myself here. How I got here. How I ended up here. Then I don't want to look at my choices. I just want to look at why I'm here and I want to cry about it. No, 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 no. You can look at each one of those situations, and especially with Elijah in 1 Kings 19, uh, verses 1 through 10. He, he, the, what did he do after the mountaintop experience? And that's when you have to beware of, of, of depression most y'all. After the mountaintop experiences. Do you understand what I'm talking about? After he had beat the 400-some uh, the uh, prophets of Baal. God had defeated all of them, and, and, and God had won, and he had told them, how long will you labor? How long will you live between two opinions? Who are you going to serve? He had seen God prove himself that day. And then he got a letter from Jezebel. And Jezebel said, I swear that you will be just as my prophets by the end of this day. He let this woman frighten him. Uh, oh, I know I'm not supposed to say anything. Let that woman frighten you. Uh, this is the part where they call Brother Johnson showbiz. I'm not a misogynist. I believe the women of God crowned you from creation. Should I believe? That, 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 hey, I, if it was just us men in the world, the world would be as plain and proud. Don't amen that. <laughs> I just believe that, that if the world was a room and it was just men, then the room would just have a chair, a TV, a toilet somewhere near, <laughs> and a small refrigerator. And we're going to be all right. <laughs> And maybe some wine sausage. <laughs> but, oh, but. Y'all you know wine sausage? <laughs> anyway, but when you add women, but when you add women, here comes the beautiful border on the wall. When you add women, you get all those little trinkets on the shelves, whatever they're for, I have no idea. <laughs> you get all that nice stuff on the coffee table for what I, paperweights, I don't know. You get all the, the colorful carpet and the paneling and all the, uh, you know, when women come, they, they, they breathe in gray, drab, fall, and they have the ability to breathe it out as garden flowers. God gave them that ability. But he did not intend for you to be afraid of that woman. You're not to be afraid of that woman. You got to leave. See, Job, see, you got to leave. Job, Job would tell you. Remember when Job was sitting there and he was all scarred up and scratching himself? She said, Do you, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. Job said something that would have put most men out on the couch, out on the porch, out in the street. He said, Woman, you don't speak, you speak as the foolish, not the wise. Sometimes you've got to be able to say, this is foolish talk. We need to come back to God's wisdom. And that's not just for women, that's men too, because men can be backwards as well. When anxiety sets in, everything gets confusing. And I got to realize that, that I noticed, notice Elijah had to come back to his senses. He was running away from this woman and he had defeated. God had defeated. We'll do that every time we start to rely on our own power, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own understanding. We'll say, I can't beat this powerful queen. No, you can't beat her. But God has already defeated her. You win these battles and then you have Satan whispering in your ear, you can't win. But that's when you have to say back, God has already won. Because he has Satan on a chain. And he can't get loose until God says so. Does that make sense to everybody? 
Huh? And I put it one more simple way. You, you know, and any of you ever been walking through the neighborhood, and you know you're walking through the neighborhood, and you see that dude who's sitting over there who got that rock wild on that chain? Got that rock wild, and he's big. You know, wild, wild, big, heavy dude. Or maybe I need to say a big German shepherd. Like with the Broomfields hat. His name is Zeus. I think he weighs like 400 pounds or something. So the thing is, you ever seen that, that Rottweiler, right? He's standing there with that Rottweiler, and he's jumping his bike, and he's just holding it. He's just holding it. He said, it's all right. It's all right. You can pet it. He's like, oh. He said, you can pet it. You know why? Because I got it. And I've seen it happen to where a child as small as this can come right up and pet that dog right on the head. And that dog won't dare bite that child. Why? Because his master has gotten by the chain. Don't you know God has the ability to make Satan as docile as a lamb in the presence of his children? That's why Psalm 23 says he will make a table before your enemies. The enemies who are trying to take from you, God will make a, he'll make a table, a full table feast before them, and they'll have to sit and watch you eat and know they can't take a morsel from you. Now, what do you press for? I'm just asking a question, right? And then Christians, and Christians, uh, and, and it's depression thing. Uh, 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 what causes depression? Proverbs 12, 25 tells you. Here's what causes depression. Anxiety over job loss. Is that right? Huh? What causes depression? Anxiety over health problems. Huh? What causes it? Anxiety over marital strife. What causes it? Anxiety over wayward children. All right, that's what we were talking about today. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. But to Smith, listen now, listen now. You, 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 you got a whole family that'll work with you. And if the children here got to send letters to, 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 to cute faces and say, hey, now, you got to get back on that page. Because we'll, we'll, we'll get the children on it. My whole Wednesday class, they'll sit down and they will write letters to her right now. Like, hey, what are you doing? We don't act like that. Huh? And then and they, we'll send letters every week if we got to. So they know that out of sight, honey, ain't out of mind. Right? Right? And then and, and anxiety. Anxiety over a loss of a spouse. Quote, unquote, loneliness. Does anybody see a pattern? Anxiety, 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 anxiety. This is what causes depression. And why are you anxious over all those things? When you can take those things to the foot of the cross and leave them there. You can put them in God's unchanging hand. And he'll handle it. He'll handle it. He'll handle it. Hasn't he handled it? He'll keep handling it. Just like the child who kept running to her father when she broke the toy and said, Daddy, fix it. She handed it to him. He would fix it. She'd take it back, break it. Daddy, fix it. He, he would fix it. She'd take it back, run away. And the third time, she was like, Daddy, what's And he fixed it. She, she said, Daddy, why do you keep doing me like this? He said, what do you mean, child? I keep bringing it to you. You said you fix it, but it keeps breaking. He said, my child, I fixed all the parts you gave to me. I couldn't fix the parts that were still in your hand. If you would have given it to me completely, it would have been completely correct. We keep handing things to God for taking it back. When you give it to him, let it stay there. And he'll fix that thing. Right? And then anxiety over church troubles. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Trouble in my way. I have to cry sometimes. Right? So then, so then when, we, when we deal with this, those are causes, and here are your, 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 your solutions. Here you go. Don't worry about tomorrow. If you want to overcome depression, Christian, first thing you got to do is stop worrying about tomorrow. All the plans of man belong to him, but the answer is the Lord's. Commit your way to God, and he will establish it. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Then, Bible tells you to keep busy 
in the Lord's word. In 1 Kings chapter 19, go over there for me. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. Cheyenne, get for me uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 58. Uh, Nico, if you go over to 1 Corinthians 19, verses uh, 14 through 18, because remember, Elijah was running. He got under the tree. He wanted God to kill him because he felt like he had done all he could possibly do, and there was no more he could do. There wasn't nobody fighting with him. He was all alone and all by himself, but it was just him talking to him about him, about what he didn't do, and what he thought he did, but what he saw, but what he really didn't see because he was too short-sighted to truly see because it's the wisdom of God that can see farther than what you could ever see, but he wasn't thinking about what he could see. He was stuck on what he thought he saw, but he didn't see enough to know what God saw and what God was trying to show him that he saw. So he was going to see it when he got where God could show him and clean off his eyes so he could see through his wisdom, through his knowledge, through his way, so he could see that God saves the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 19, verses 14 through 18. What's the Bible say? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of, all, God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I am, I, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehud, the son of Nimshai. Uh, now, we'll let them read the rest of that. But look what it said. I have been very zealous in the work, right? Now, here's the thing. Be zealous in God's work, right? But don't be so zealous that you go beyond knowledge and understanding. Don't be foolish enough to say what he said. You know where you messed up? When he said, I alone. Don't you ever think it's just you. That's right. God is working in many ways. Because what he was doing was setting up, there were some people who still hadn't vowed their need to bail, and they needed a leader, and God was preparing them. Sometimes God is preparing you for something specific. You just can't see it, right? But you stay zealous in his work so he will get you to where he wants you to be, to do what he wants you to do. Don't get caught up in you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, what's the Bible say? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be my steadfast, That, see that, Cheyenne? See, like when you, you and I talked that time, when you and I talked that time about the young girl who, who, was, who, was, dealing with, uh, who was dealing with believing in God and all of that kind of thing, and, the, and your job is simply to take it to the scriptures, to show her what the Bible says, to keep showing what the Bible says. Some of us get caught up and say, I get tired of saying what the Bible says. I feel like I'm a broken record. Saying, don't you know the Bible is a broken record? It says the same thing over and over again. Huh? But those who says, always abounding in the word of the Lord. Stop thinking. See, all you have to do is keep sowing, keep planting. God, somebody else will water, but God will give the increase. He says, know that your labor is never in vain. Why? Because his work never goes out and returns to him void without first accomplishing what he intended for it to do. So you just keep sowing the word, keep saying the word, keep teaching the word. Huh? I can give you an example. Because see, at, at, at the funeral, see, I, I, didn't, I didn't say this. See, when I had the funeral, see, I, 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 I corrected Sister Paige to something that she said when she was shaking the cloth. Right? And y'all should have told you. She was on a roll, y'all. You know? Thought I was going to have to go up there and get her. Folks sitting around with, folks around with go get Sister Paige. <laughs> and the thing is, but the one thing I was going to do, one thing I didn't say is, now, Sister Paige stood up here and lied to y'all. I got to call her out in the lie. She told a positive, bold-faced lie. <laughs> well, what lie is that, Brother Johnson? She looked me in the face and told me that without my mother, I would never be able to do. See? She just stood up here and didn't say everything she said she wasn't going to be able to do. By the power of God. Huh? The mama kept saying Mama kept telling, Mama kept praying. And when the time come, when the time came, all who was there, you heard Mama's teaching from right out of here. Mm -hmm. And she stood there and told the tale. And, and Sister Ellis can attest to it. We was there on a Wednesday morning. She told the tale of both of us, did she, Mama? 
She told me, Terry, I can't, I can't, I won't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But she showed up had. Showed up weak. Showed up can't. You understand that? See, but anxiety will get you by the throat. And it'll choke you. And make you think that you can't. But God will shake the hand off the throat. And get the foot off your neck. And show you that you most certainly can. Right? 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 Keep, keep busy in the Lord's work. Because as long as you're busy, see, it's hard. It's hard to keep somebody who won't stand still down. It's hard, right? And then how else do you overcome it? You overcome it by praying earnestly. Stay in constant contact with God. Keep talking to God earnestly. Earnestly means sincerely, openly, intimately. Keep talking to him about what's going on in your mind, in your life. What's going on? Keep talking to him. Does God already know? Yes, he already knows. But it says something when you invite him to know intimately. Keep talking to him about it. He wants to hear about it. He wants to hear about it, right? And then, and then, and then, what else you want to do? You want to meditate. You want to meditate on the scriptures. Meditate in the scriptures, because in the scriptures, Romans chapter fifteen, verse four tells you something. Second Peter one three tells you something. We need to meditate. Let's go over there really quick. In Second Peter one three, uh, get that for me, Cheyenne. Uh, Romans chapter fifteen, verse four, get that for me, Nico. Uh, we're going to read that. Brother Broom, you can get Psalm 119, 49 for me. Uh, Brother Broom, Psalm 119, 49. Uh, we'll, 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 and we'll, we'll be coming here to a close. If, you, if you're over there, uh, what does the Bible say in Romans 15, verse 4? For whatever things was written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have help. You know why those things were written for our learning? You know why? Because everything that's happening now has happened before. And God has already given a way to handle all those situations. Second Peter 1 verse 3, Cheyenne, what's it say? According to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby Focus my life. It'll get me going in the direction I need to go. I don't need to be depressed. 
Because see, some day, see, if you don't come to the scriptures when you're dealing with depression, it's because you want to stay there. Come to the scripture with an open mind, ready to meditate and pray on what you read. And God, 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 God will put it away. And then lastly, he says, how does one overcome it? Support from fellow Christians and don't hold on to the past. What do you think all these folks are here for? Everybody has dealt with it in some way, shape, or form. And we're here to support one another, to help one another, to carry one another through. Right. Don't be so selfish as to try to keep it all to yourself. This is family. This is family. This is family. And the family is here to support you and to carry you through. Walk together. That's what we have to do. And, and don't hold on to the past, y'all. Don't hold on to the past. And like I always explain to you, holding on to the past is like driving down the street in your car, staring in the rearview mirror. You won't make it fun. Let go of the past. Take hold of the present. And let God assure you of your future. I know the hope I have. I know the thoughts I have for my children, Jeremiah 29 11, is to give you a future and a hope. He wants to benefit you. God will always want to benefit his children. So you've got to work awful hard to be depressed as a Christian. Does that make sense to anybody? So 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 come away from, from the depressed state. Come away and always always look to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of your faith. Look unto Jesus. And as we sing this song, he will carry you through. Huh? So why don't you come to Jesus? Don't, 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 don't stay in a depressed state. Don't stay depressed down. Don't stay away. Christians, if you've been wild with a depression, come away from that. Put it down. You've let them have too much control of your life. That's sin. Repent of that sin. He'll set you free. Wash you with the blood of the Son and put you back on the right track. If we die in sin where he is, we cannot come. We must believe that he is. Right? So hear what he says. Believe what he says. Repent of your past and Jesus is Lord. Be baptized for remission of your sins added to his body, which is the church, and walk faith and live faithful unto death. That's which you receive the crown of life. You're subject to the Savior's invitation. Please come. While we say this, Savior. Give you the night to take.